Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org to donate. Thank you. Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Yesterday, uh, many of us witnessed an historical event that is going to change our lives for years to come. What was it? That's what they said in the first service, too. The Kentucky Derby. It's a good American answer. I like that. It's funny. I think we had the Pinewood Derby, which is even more significant, Friday. And in a St. James fashion, one of the parents came down and said, Where, where's the, pine, where's the uh, mint juleps? So uh, next time, Pinewood Derby, mint juleps, Jack, yes, Kentucky Derby changes my life and yours. But what else happened? coronation of King Charles. Uh, <laughs> and, and I say that in jest because it doesn't really affect our lives, uh, although he has more power than you might think. And I apologize again to the Moore family uh, because we do have a British citizen that comes to church here as I was kind of expressing the typical American attitude toward royalty. Uh, but really, right, uh, we, we don't uh, appreciate uh, this king. In fact, I think a lot of Americans, uh, we like to watch the tabloids, uh, sure, um, and, but ultimately it's kind of like we like the rugged individualist. We like the self-made woman. We don't like landed gentry or people that just inherit all that they have, um, like Charles. You know what I mean? We don't really respect that's too easy. Am I right in saying this, right? We like, we like a little combo of it, maybe. But we don't like something like royalty. We would never, obviously, handle a monarch at, uh, in, in America. Although, uh, you know, um, maybe we say that because we would like to be Charles. I mean, look at what he inherits. It's quite an inheritance. Son of Elizabeth gets her, speaking of horses, 70 horses worth 45 million. I'll take a couple horses. Uh, Canada, I mean, come on. That's a pretty good inheritance. And Australia, uh, you know, and, and a bunch of land, like tens of thousands of acres uh, in England, etc. you know? And I mean, right, we'd like that. To have that kind of inheritance would secure and I know many people here, in a good, healthy way, worked hard, you've got good retirement accounts. I'll bet many of you are very good at planning that out so that you'll be secure in the future. But man, imagine having the inheritance of Charles. I mean, it doesn't matter what the stock market is gonna do with the kind of land you have, he is secure. He must be always at peace. And there was Harry that showed up too who likes to whine on, and he has the right to whine because all his money is from his inheritance. But anyhow, we don't go there, whatever. 
We think that, though, don't we? If we had our future secure, we could relax, be happy. Jesus has something to say about that. He had been teaching the crowds, and he was getting very popular as we talked downstairs in our, in our Bible study. Many people are listening. He's doing the miracles, and they're following him. The Pharisees are starting to get too annoyed by him, but that's another story. Um, and he was teaching about uh, the importance of acknowledging the Son of Man, that if you acknowledge the Son of Man, if you are loyal to him, really, he says, then it's going to be okay, because you have something greater than just food and clothing. So he's doing all this teaching, and while he's talking about these big things and cosmic truths, somebody just like you raises their hand and says, teacher, rabbi, because that's what he was, a rabbi, rabbi, could you tell my brother to split the inheritance? Is this funny? But it's not that crazy. For someone to ask Jesus to do that. He was a rabbi. And that's what the rabbis would do in Palestine. You would go to them for deep, meaningful things. You'd go to them for practical advice and for rulings. So the rabbi says, you should put it this way and that way, you do it. You would go to the rabbi and say, uh, you know, I've got a lot of company coming on Sunday. I think I need to do some work on Saturday, the, the Sabbath day. Is it okay if I have water boiling for noodles? And the rabbi would say, yeah, I think so, or no. You go to the rabbi for everything. And definitely stuff like this guy's thinking. And I wonder, and Sam really brought up a good point uh, downstairs, this fellow is thinking about this cosmic rule of God and Jesus, and I wonder if he's thinking, where's mine? And what does he want? Fairness. He's not asking anything crazy. Don't get mad at this guy. What does Jesus say? Man, who made me judge and arbiter over you? And I wonder if we talk about that downstairs as well. I wonder if that's sort of an insight, like, is that a real question? Is man like a 1970s jive uh, is what he's doing? Or is it kind of like human being? Think about it. Who made me judge and arbiter? What does that mean? And then he says this, beware of covetousness. He looks at everybody and says this, because life is not about the accumulation of stuff. What's this guy want? He just wants fairness. I want you to think what Jesus equates this with. He wants equality. He wants fairness. And let me, let me tell you, I have so often sat with families that used to get along, and maybe you've been through this, and then grandma goes to be with the Lord, and the inheritance becomes a disaster for the family. And they get mad at one another, and they get jealous, and it destroys the family, or at least for a number of years. And I know you know what that feels like, have seen that, or maybe experienced it. And I got a little taste of it. Mary, if you're watching, I go to my sister's house, and I find, like, great-grandma's favorite chair. And I'm like, how did you get this? <laughs> Anyhow, I'm sorry. So Jesus, tell Mary to share. No, I'm joking. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about or the China or some, right? 
And by the way, don't go around putting name tags on all the stuff you want while mom and dad are still around. That's just crass. <laughs> so this guy's asking for something normal. He's not asking for, he's not being selfish, I didn't think. He's just asking for equality. But Jesus calls it covetousness and greed. Think about it. And this morning we had all the little kids, all the preschoolers, and I told the parents, I'll bet you know what I'm saying at this age. Once you have two kids, the conversation becomes all about, like, you're, I feel like it's the, you know, Sam Adams in the Green Dragon Inn. I mean, it's all about equality and fairness, right? The kids are always saying, tell them to split this. I don't have enough as she does. He's got more than I do, constantly. Am I right in saying this? It's just on their minds. They're suddenly, suddenly, they're brilliant lawyers at that age. But it's never, you know, Mom, uh, looks like my brother has less than I do. Could you give them some of mine? It's never that way. <laughs> it's always looking out for number one and making sure you got your, not evil, not too much, not surplus, but fair share. And you feel really good inside, don't you? Because we're all, we love to be victims. So, boy, I can be a victim, and I want equality for me. That's all I'm asking. Jesus calls it covetousness. This guy doesn't care about his brother. He cares about himself, and more so, he cares and he defines his life and finds his security in how much he has. And then Jesus says this parable, right? He says that the land of a, a, a rich man produced bountifully one year. And notice the way he says this. First of all, when you hear the word rich man, don't be the typical Marxist, oh, that guy. Everybody in America, if you see the word rich, it's never you, is it? It's always that guy. And how did they get their money? Well, because they're not you, they probably stole it or inherited it, but they don't deserve it. Am I right in saying this? And I don't care, Republican, Democrat, that's how we think. And we read the Bible, we're like, rich guy, we're like, oh yeah, a rich guy, selfish, you know, they probably didn't even work for it. No, 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 no. Let's assume this guy worked his butt off for it. Tilled that land, brilliantly knew exactly when to plant and what to plant. Like many of you. Not a bad guy by nature. And he had a great year. Although I like the way Jesus talks about it. The land produced plentifully. You know what I'm saying? Kind of takes it away from the guy. So one year the land did well. And what's this guy do when he sees this surplus? He says to himself, what am I going to do with this, right? I got a surplus, more than enough. And so this is what he thinks. I'm going to tear down my barns and I'm going to build bigger ones so I can store it all in there. And then, after I get it all in there and I see that I have plenty for years, I'm going to say to myself, soul, you got ample stuff. You're good financially for many years to come. Your future is secure by your smart investment, good planning, and good old American hard work. And now, because of what I've done, I can relax, eat, drink, be merry. And then that night, God says, you fool, 
I'm taking you away today, and whose is this now? What's the lesson here? And it's not giving. The goal for this four weeks is not to get you to give more. Don't tell Pete Regis this, by the way. (laughs) It's not the goal. What's the problem with this guy? Is eating, drinking, and relaxing, is that the problem? Oh, this guy's just got lazy. Is that the problem? What's the problem with this fellow in this parable? He connected his happiness, his peace, his merriment to his planning, to his future, to all that he had. Does that make sense? And that's the, the stupid, is what Jesus is saying. Because in the parable, God says, we're done. This is the day you come to be with me. doesn't say what the hell, by the way. But what a waste. All the preparation, all the planning you did, gone. You're going to die today by an aneurysm. I mean, it's just dumb, logically. You don't have to be a Christian to see this, by the way. What does that say to us? Because my goal is not to get you to be a better giver. My goal and God's goal, the greatest gift that you can leave here in four weeks, the greatest gift, this is the greatest gift, and that is to learn to find your peace, your happiness, your relaxing, all those things are good. To find it, to do it, because your security is in what? Not in what you've done or collected or how good your retirement is or how good you think your health is. You've done all the right exercises. I want you to find your security in God and his gifts that can't be taken away. And I think what stops us from being givers and generous joyfully is insecurity right? If we really think that we need these things, and guess what? When you go down that road, you never have enough. You never feel secure enough because it is hard. The marketplace is up and down. Who knows what's going to happen? If you want to play that game of, of, of connecting your peace to money, to health, to whatever, anything, anything in this world, it never stops, does it? You stay up at night wondering, did I do enough? Is my, are my investments good? Is that doctor visit going to turn out okay? Am I ever doing enough? You're never going to have that peace. And if you do, you're stupid. If that's all your peace rests in, is these things that you're doing, your health and your money, your job, everything, right? Because it can all go in a second. And the joke is this. When you live like that, you never do have that peace, do you? Because you're always, as you get older too, you're always looking over your shoulder. I'm having a good day today. But I know I don't deserve it. Anything can happen. This has been a hard couple of weeks, my friends. Uh, for myself, for this church, I've been with a lot of people who've kind of had this happen to them in this congregation. And it really humbles you. 
And it reminds you that if your peace and your hope and somehow today for one second you're physically good and you're monetarily good, you're a moron. Because it can go like that. I would like you to have the power and the gift of a happiness not connected to temporary things, let alone your own talents and work. And quite frankly, that's what we're doing here with confirmation. The Markinsons want their kid to have that gift that can't be taken away. When we have insecurity about the future, we don't give. We don't forgive. We aren't generous. We're not kind. We're not relaxed in loving each other. We're tense. And we're not going to give all that away because we might need it tomorrow. And we might not forgive because I don't know what you're going to do tomorrow. I don't know if I'm going to let you go with what you did to me because you might turn around and do it again. you got to protect yourself. But when our future is not secure, there's no, was there a point made there, Nico? No. <laughs> we got to practice that again. When your future is not secure, you become very not giving in your words and your deeds. I really mean this. I know that's my problem. I don't know if I'm going to increase. Like we're asking people to pray and think about their future of, of giving and regular giving and saying, you know what, I want to give every week this amount. I don't know what's going to happen next year. Maybe I'm not going to do so well financially. I don't know if I can commit that because I might need that. Right? Those are the conversations you have, and it's okay to have those. But it stops us, doesn't it? What if I were to tell you, when you look at Charles, wouldn't you love to have his inheritance? And this guy trying to get half of his parents' inheritance. What if I were to tell you that you have an inheritance? Would that make you feel secure? That you got a rich uncle. (laughs) Better than that, you've got a brother who has given you his inheritance. What about that? That you, like Charles could celebrate yesterday, you have been crowned. You have been given an inheritance that can't be taken away. And your inheritance will last a lot longer than whatever Charles has. Because the one who who is the heir of all things, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has taken your inheritance and your selfishness and your constant only worrying about yourself in the name of fairness, and he took it and paid for it on the cross. And Jesus forgives you of being that guy looking for fairness in the name of selfishness. And Jesus has given you his inheritance. And the one who died for you has risen again and has promised you eternal life. Your future is secure. You are forgiven. You will rise again. You will be okay. Your tomorrow is certain. May that free you. And not just giving to St. James, but to relax. Enjoy the good moment. There's nothing wrong with that. 
Have a great dinner tonight and bite into that steak. You don't need to look behind your back. You can enjoy it. Give to others. Be kind. Be wasteful in your generosity toward others, in your words and in your deeds. And indeed, freely, commit yourself to what's going on here at St. James. What are we doing? From everything we do, from the school to the Bible studies, everything that happens here, we are going out to this world, to people who are living in the toxicity and the tension of worrying about tomorrow, who are hiding under rocks, who are scared, and they might look fine on the outside, and they might look successful, but they're always looking around their back for something to crash, and maybe they're tired of living like that. And we are here to tell them the same thing we've been told, and that is that God loves you, that your future is secure, it's going to be okay, your sins have been taken care of, and you're going to rise again. So may we commit ourselves freely to giving to make sure that message goes out here, goes out there, goes out throughout this community, the world that needs it like we do. In Jesus' name, amen.